0: In the name of God, amen. Please be seated. Again, let me say what a privilege it is for me to be a part of this regional confirmation and um, how privileged I feel also to be among those of you who have Decided to be received and confirmed into the church. I've always um, trusted that those nudges are from God, um, that there is something that moves us at a particular time in our lives to to take this step, and it's a holy process. Give thanks for your clergy and fellow uh, uh, friends in churches that have guided you and brought you to this place. And I am also giving thanks, as I am among you today, for the ever-present spirit of collaboration and friendship that is so evident in the congregations of the Episcopal Diocese in Southern Maryland. So um, very proud, very proud to serve you as bishop. I'd like to tell you three brief stories, and as I do, I ask you to listen for what you think they have in common. Um, The first comes from a Sunday uh, comic strip. It's a Doonesbury comic strip. And in the first frame, uh, parents, very earnest-looking parents, are sitting down with their child to break the news to him that they were now going to start attending church. And everything in their their posture and attitude suggests that this is akin to going to the dentist. Um, And in the next frame, the father explains their decision by saying that this is something that everybody eventually has to go through. And in the next frame, he says, look, as kids, we had to do our time in the pews, and now it's your turn. (laughs) And then the next frame, the the child looks up at his parents somewhat quizzically and says, but what if I like it? (laughs) Next frame. Parents look at each other, and it's obvious that that thought had never occurred to them. And in the final frame, the mother replies, we'll cross that bridge if we come to it. <laughs> All right? So that's the first story. Here's the second. This is more of a vignette of my life as a parish priest in Minneapolis. I happen to live on a street uh, that um, that was adjacent to a neighboring Episcopal church. It wasn't the church I served, but it was our closest neighbor, and many of the people on my on my block were either members there or affiliated in some way, and sometimes they would feel the need to tell me about their lapsed Sunday attendance, um, going to significant lengths to explain why they weren't in church more often. This third story. And then this last one, um, and again, in my life, um, as so many of you are in, in parish community, as, as my colleagues often do, I would meet with parents who hadn't been to church for a long time, perhaps not since their wedding day, um, and they were coming now to bring their infant child to be baptized. And as we would begin their conversations about baptism, there would be this awkward, uncomfortable time when the couple would feel obligated to tell me why they hadn't been more regular in church since the last time they were there. So those are the three stories. What do they have in common? Guilt, (laughs) right. A sense that, um, that there's a guilt association with not being in church, right? So being a religious person, therefore, means going to church right? Um, And that people in church, like me, have negative opinions about those who don't go to church, right? And so there's this need when coming back to sort of explain why we've been gone, right? Um, I think there's a third assumption in there that people in church assume that all religion, all spirituality, all relationship with God happens where? In church. in church, right? Like there's nothing else that's happening in a person's life with God outside church, right? Right? Just an assumption, right? That there's, if you're going to do it, right, it's going to happen here. And then I think there's this underlying message that church is boring, and it's something to endure, Right? It's an obligation that we all have to go through. Right? So. so now I'd like to speak to you um, a word for those of you who are being confirmed and received and to all of us alongside you. Um, and I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know, but just to highlight truths that we all know and need to be reminded of from time to time that being in a relationship with God, our creator, isn't about doing time in the pew. It's not about that. It's about being open to experiences of grace and love and forgiveness and mercy that put our whole life into perspective and give meaning and purpose to our days. It's about being in awe at the wonder of being alive at all, that the miracle that we're even here and that there is such incredible beauty and wonder all around us and people that we're blessed to know and to love and yes, even to struggle to love and that being in a relationship with Jesus Christ for those of us who feel called into Christian community isn't one of judgment and obligation but of intimate presence and love. Now, of course, there are times in a Christian walk that we'll be called to do hard things, but that's only because life calls us to do hard things. And as Christians, we're not exempted from that. That, um, that life, in addition to all its beauty, can be confusing and sometimes very painful. And, um, and being a follower of Jesus, helps us live through those hard things and not become hard ourselves, but softened by them and opened by them, like he was when he lived, to be vessels of grace and forgiveness um, to those around us. And, And because Jesus, when we're in relationship with him, calls us to be our best selves, sometimes... That involves making choices away from our more petty and superficial selves, away from the things that make, of, make us less than, of, of who we are, and more toward the things that are good about us, right? The best of who we are, and, and the things of our lives that are merciful and, and gracious and kind, and, and mostly that our relationship with Jesus is about love. Knowing ourselves to be loved. And, 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 that, and that we're not alone. You know, when he said, as you, heard, as you heard Nathan read in the gospel, as he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He really meant that. And he didn't mean it just for the 12 that were gathered with him in that moment. He meant it for us, and that finally, in this this sense of what it means, being in relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, that part of God that is spirit, that part is about the power we're given to do more than we're capable of on our own. Um, As St. Paul says, that power working in us that can do infinitely more than we could ask for or imagine. And you know what that's like. You know what that's like when you are at the edge of your rope and you can't give one more thing, and yet you do, right? And someone asks you later, how did you do that? And you say something like, well, I'm not sure, but it wasn't all me. It's that power that helps us to to say or do the right thing, or to pick up the phone, that impulse you get sometimes, just to pick up the phone and call someone, only to find out that in that very moment, the person on the other line really needed to talk to someone. And we were, in that moment, their lifeline. They didn't know that we were about to call. We didn't know when we called, but the Spirit was moving, or or that feeling you get when something happens or someone says something that is a gift from God. So life as a Christian is not measured by how much time we put in the pews. It's about being a follower of Jesus and living with this knowledge that he's with you, even when you don't feel it, or even when you're not thinking about him. So how do, you, how do you know? How can you tell that he's with you? This is the biggest mystery, friends. It's the heart of the Christian faith, this sense of his abiding presence inside and among us, as he was, as the stories tell us, to his first disciples after he died. And if you aren't sure if you've got, if you've had that experience or if you know exactly what it means or if you've had it in the right way, don't worry about any of that because it's a mystery. And it has way more to do with him than it does to do with us. And not everyone experiences it in the same way, but there is something palpable that Christians are given. And it helps, it helps if at one point or another, or if you're like me once a day, it helps to invite him in, you know, to just sit down, take a breath, and invite him in. It's not like he's not already there already, but just our doing that opens us to experience him because he's not the kind of of presence that's going to hit us over the head with a two-by-four very often. He's not that kind of God. He's very gentle, doesn't force himself into our lives, sort of waits to be invited in. And so you can do that. You can simply say, as we often do in worship or in in our hymns, come, Lord Jesus, just, just come. And when you say it, you know you're already inviting someone who's made his home in your heart, but there's something about saying it that makes it more real. And when you do that, you can know that you're not alone and that your life, matters, and that failure or disappointment or struggle is never the final word with him, and that God needs you. God really needs you to help heal the world, one person, one gesture of kindness, one effort at a time. So as I think about these things, I would suggest to you there are two surefire ways to experience Christ in your life. I mean, this is the stuff that I I would put my life to. And the first one is this. Whenever your life is really hard and you don't think you can face whatever it is that life is asking of you, Um, that you know that there's something that you need to let go of or to change or to face. Instead of doing what we all want to do in that moment, which is to run as fast as we can in the other direction, right? instead of doing that, lean into the struggle. Just lean into it. And I promise you that the grace of Christ will meet you there. You can trust that the rope he's giving you is going to hold and that the ground that he's supporting you with is firm and that you're not alone. And the second, whenever you have a decision to make and you aren't sure what to do, pay attention to the choice of the two that makes your heart beat faster and gives you joy, and inspires you to live with as much of your full self and your whole heart as you can, and choose that, and live by that. And I promise you, Jesus will meet you there. Um, And that doesn't mean that you're always going to succeed, right? That you're always going to get exactly... That has nothing to do with it, actually. Whether we fail or succeed in whatever it is we think we're doing is almost irrelevant What matters is that we choose, as the scriptures say, we choose life, and we live according to life. And even if we fall flat on our face choosing life, that is way better than standing up straight and choosing mediocrity. It's just better. And the Spirit will pick us up and move us in a new direction toward life, right? So... Getting back to the Doonesbury cartoon, what about church? Now, here's the thing. Jesus calls his followers into community. Always has, always will. There are a few monks, I grant you, a few monks that are called into hermitage, but even they are in community, right? And most of us are called to ordinary lives in ordinary jobs in ordinary worlds, and we're called into community because following him isn't something you can do very well by yourself. It requires some practice, and it requires learning, and it requires support and tending and care, and we do that way better with other people than we do by ourselves. Um, So we need each other. That's That's what church is for, right? And we also, together, pass on this tradition that has been given to us by our ancestors, and we pass it on to the next. That's the other reason we have church. And the third is that together we can witness to something that others can see in a way that speaks of Jesus. You know that song, they'll know we are Christians by our love? love"? Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Even if they never darken the door of our churches, right? If people never darken the door of our churches, if they say to us, I have no idea what goes on inside there, no idea what those people are talking about. I've never understood that Jesus thing. But you know what? Those are loving people. If I need something, I know where to go. When I see the pastor, I know he or she is going to care for me. When I see those, I see those Christian people in the schools and in the hospitals and in their work, I can count on them to be good people. They will know we are Christians by our love. That's why we have churches. And if they're boring, you know what? We can fix that. (laughs) We can. Just saying. So, my final words to all of you and to myself. Every day, invite God in. Invite him in. Invite Jesus into your heart. Invite the spirit. Just say it consciously when you wake up in the morning as you're having your coffee. Better yet, if you can take ten minutes and just pray your way through your day and invite the spirit of love in. You have, it will, if you don't do it already, it will make such a difference. Second, come together in community, not as obligation, but in joy, as a place to grow and to serve and to love. And then third, most important, remember how important you are to God. Jesus promises to be with you always, Not just because you're, not just because Jesus is Jesus, but because you are you. And you matter. And you have gifts that God needs. And that this world around us needs. That only you, only you can give. Amen.